This is Channel 253. In this episode of We Art Tacoma. Really, there is nothing like standing in that place and feeling what kind of history there is. I was not really prepared for standing there and just, you know, like seeing my family's name in the registry and just looking at, you know, just how hot and desolate it was, um, surrounded by farmlands even, but um, really in the middle of almost nothing. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is the We Art Tacoma podcast. Welcome back to another episode of We Art Tacoma. I'm your host, Eric Hanberg. I'm producer Doug. How's it going, producer Doug? I feel I'm on top of the world. Top of the world. That's good to hear. Uh, Today we are joined by uh, writer Tamiko Nimura, who has a lot to share about two big projects that she's been working on, uh, a biography and oral history of Senator Rosa Franklin and some work that she's been doing. Uh, around uh, the Day of Remembrance in May for the Japanese incarceration. Um, so I want to get to that interview, but I also want to just give a shout out to a sponsor, Tacoma Arts Live, uh, who has ABBA the Concert coming up on March 29th. Dance, sing, and have the time of your life at the ultimate tribute celebration with the iconic hits including Mamma Mia, Dancing Queen, and many more. You know, I found out that ABBA... Uh, got their start on Eurovision. They did Waterloo. They did. They, did. they won the uh, Eurovision contest. They did Waterloo, and then um, and then it took them a couple more months to be like, oh, now we got to write more songs, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then uh, and then they came out with more. I actually really like the Mamma Mia uh, movie. I like Agnetha. Uh, what do you like? What Agnetha? She's one of the ladies in Abba. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, she, did you know it's an acronym of their names? That's what the A and the yeah. B. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, I know, I know, I know. You are a musician. I know. I know a, a strangely shocking uh, <laughs> amount about Abba. Well, yeah. Maybe we should stop talking about Abba and get to the interview. <laughs> Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Tamiko. Thank you so much for having me. Can Can you uh, introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. My name is Tamiko Nimura. I'm a freelance writer, um, Asian American, Japanese American, and Filipina American, and I live here in Tacoma. How long have you lived in Tacoma? Moved here in 2004. What brought you here? Um, a job. Writing job or the, no, the, a day, the day job? Yeah, no, I was t- I was teaching for a while and uh, taught for seven years and decided to leave that after um, after a bad breakup in seven or eight years and then went off and decided to write. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Are you a, f- a full time writer? Is that how you, how you would full, describe yourself? Well, I, w- I would say I'm a f- I'm, I'm a Full-time writer who works from home and makes, you know, and runs the household as much as I can. So, um, yeah, so full-time writer. (laughs) And uh, tell me about some of the different uh, writing projects you've done over the years. Oh, my gosh. Um, any any that, that strike your fancy? Actually, let, let's – how about this? Tell me about some of your earliest writing. How did you ooh, get started? Okay. Starting in earliest writing. Oh, okay. Um, now I'm thinking back to, like, my childhood diary. <laughs> well, I could tell you about my 80-page my... novel that I wrote in, like, sixth grade. You know, oh, fantastic. When I thought, I thought 80 pages was long enough for a novel. So <laughs> you can start this wherever you want to. You could say novella. Sure, sure, fine. sure, sure. 
Um, yeah. So let's see. I think I've always wanted to write, but in the last 10 years was when I decided to let myself write. Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> what changed? What, how did uh, how did you go through that process? I'm very intrigued. Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, so I, I always wanted to write. I thought I would um, go to school and become an editor because I wanted to work with writers. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to creative writing summer camps when I was in high school. I was writing poetry, wrote personal essays and things like that, even through college, and then went to grad school and thought, okay, I'm going to teach, did the bachelor's, master's, and PhD, and thought, all right, yes, teaching, this is where I will be. All in teaching? Um, English. English. Yeah. Um, So I I did my bachelor's degree um, in California in the Bay Area, and then came up to Seattle and did my master's and PhD in uh, multicultural American literature. And thought, yes, teaching is where it's at. And then had a bad breakup with academia. Wow. <laughs> um, and and I for like two years, basically, um, I applied for jobs very dutifully, did the unemployment thing. Um, I'm going to, you know, apply for these things. I can maybe part-time teach. My kids were still pretty little, mm-hmm. though. I have mm-hmm. two daughters. Um and decided, okay, well, I'll take tests, right? I'll read books because, you know, I know how to read books by now. Yes, yes. <laughs> and um, it was when I was reading and taking the quizzes in What Color Is Your Parachute? Oh, yeah. That uh, my husband just kind of looked at me. And he's known me for over half our lives because we met in high school. And he just smiled at me and he said, you know, you have always wanted to be a writer. Why don't you just go do that? <laughs> and I said, really? He said, yes, you should just go do that. <laughs> so you put the book down. <laughs> <laughs> so I put the book down. I don't think I, I don't think I finished taking the test. Yep. Um, I was still reading. I was still writing. And I started a blog because mm. then we were blogging. Oh, I remember the blogging right? days. Yeah, yes. that's how I knew you, actually. I think, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember. Well, I, the, and the, this is the first time we've ever met in right. person. But right. through the miracle of the Internet, we can be Tacomans together and never meet. And, exactly. Yes. yes. No, I remember re- reading Exit 133 when I moved here. And I was like, oh, this is great. I'm so excited to read stuff about what's going on in Tacoma and getting to know my new city, um, you know, though we were in Seattle. But as you know, Tacoma and Seattle, they don't know a whole lot about each other. So... <laughs> Um, you know, had only driven through Tacoma yes, yes. Uh, before then, but got off the freeway in 705 and was just like, this is fantastic and beautiful. How could I not have gone here before? Um, yeah. So fell in love. Um, so let's see, uh, started writing. So I worked for a while and just did a bunch of writing sort of wherever I could find it, right? Gig writing. Yeah. Um, I wrote for seattlest.com, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was a hyper-local news thing. Uh, two of us out of the dozen of us got paid. <laughs> um, we were just out there like trying to cover every single little story thing, whatever we could. Um, and um, developed a really fun out online community from that because, you know, when you're on an email listserv and you're getting, you know, sure. a dozen emails a day, if not an hour, you get to know people yeah. <laughs> pretty yeah, yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from there, uh, a couple of the folks, uh, Omar Willie and Jose Amador, recruited me for the Seattle Star, which was another – Is it, it's still going. It's okay. another online publication. Um, and through the miracles of the blogging world, I got to know people, um, other writers, because when I left academia, I knew that I had to figure out another community, 
right? This yeah. is, you know, the, I was in a very small insular world mm-hmm. and I knew I needed to find other folks, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm an introvert, but I really needed to talk, you know, talk to other writers. How do they do that? Um, so I did food writing for Seattle Est. Um, okay. I wrote a really sweet piece about a Japanese grocery store in Seattle and uh, did a really fantastic tour of Japanese bakeries in Seattle. <laughs> um, and really sort of dove into just sort of the pleasures of food writing because I was going through this bad breakup with academia. And so I thought, what should I do? It, sh- it should be something kind of fun. Yeah. Right? Um, from there, I wrote a piece uh, about Ichiro leaving the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> nice. Um And what that meant for me as a Mm Japanese-American, because his presence, we're the same age, but he came to Seattle at about the same time that I did. And so when he left, it was this huge blow, um, particularly for my sense of, you know, being Japanese-American in that city. Yeah. So uh, a a friend of my cousin's, I think, on Facebook saw this post that I wrote about Ichiro leaving Seattle. And she wrote to me and said, oh, would you be interested in republishing this piece on our project? And I said, sure, that's great. So the project is called Discover Nikkei. It's a web project of the Japanese American National Museum in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, and I wrote a few essays for them, did a few contest things with them, and then they said, we'd like you to just keep writing for us regularly. Wow. Um, yeah. So I basically started writing this commission series of essays about being Japanese-American in the Northwest. Um, you know, events, people, places, causes, whatever. Um, they said it just needs to be – has to do with being Japanese-American. Um, so that became one of my regular outlets, and I've been writing th- for them for six years now. Wow. <laughs> um, and I've also written for the International Examiner, which is a Asian-American community newspaper in Seattle. Yeah. Started out with book reviews, started out with the kind of small event profile things. And then my editor, um, Alan Lau, who is this fantastic artist, editor person, started to send me out into the community. You know, go meet this person, go talk to them about their work. Um and through those two outlets, really, through Discovery Nick K and an International Examiner, um, I ended up becoming an arts writer <laughs> Great. and a community journalist, um, just sort of by, you know, there's these unwritten um, guidelines that my editor set, you know, yeah. set for me, which was go cover these stories for our community because yeah. nobody else is covering them. One of the things that you hear often in when, when I see this on Twitter every few months, it seems like as someone has a big... Uh, stance about, you know, like, don't give away your writing for free. Don't write for free. <laughs> yes. And then there's usually other people who are like, actually, in certain scenarios, it's a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I just I, I just want to, to hear you reflect on that question, because um, there are some times when it, you know, when it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. There's other times where it's like, yeah, I'm being taken advantage of here. Yeah. Um, how yeah. do you think of that? as Or how would you tell someone who wants to wants to follow in your footsteps? What would you tell them about some of these questions about getting paid for your writing? Or... Oh, yeah. Um, I think it is always worth it to ask the question mm. at the very least. And there are ways and ways to ask the question, Yeah. right? There's the, great, I have this rate. <laughs> There's the... Is there a budget? And that's the question that I have raised Great most question. often. Is there a budget? Great I just need question. to know. Music music producer Doug here is nodding <laughs> a lot. I'm sure you hear that a lot when people say, hey, Doug, would you write my blah, blah, blah yeah. music? And 
Is there a budget? <laughs> yeah. Good, good one. Is there a budget? And then I, you know, go from there. Um, you know, the writing that I do for my community outlets, right, is not super well paid, right? But these are... Those two outlets especially are places where I began to build an, an, an exper- experiences, right, but also audience, yeah. right? I now have people that I'll, I'll have met in the community or around. Um, Discovery Nick is actually published, you know, it's online only, but it's published for people all over the world of Japanese descent. So some of my writing got translated into Portuguese and Japanese and Spanish because of the Japanese diaspora. So, you know— um, I feel like um, those are outlets that I owe a lot to, right? Those are my base audiences. And um, I always ask still, you know, is there a budget? Um, I try not to say yes as frequently, but that's tricky. (laughs) Um, But I'm always very mindful that they – this is the community that helped um, make me a writer. Yeah, yeah. My wife and I, when we had our uh, small business together doing design for businesses oh. or nonprofits, we came up, we adapted what I what we called the Stockard Channing test. So Stockard <laughs> Channing played uh, Rizzo in Greece yeah. and the, uh, married to Jed Bartlett on the West yeah, Wing. Yeah, the West Wing. Yeah. And I saw an Inside the Actor studio with her and they said, when, when do you take a part? And she said, I look for three different things. You know, is there money there? That's one of the things that she looks for. Mm-hmm. Uh, will it further her career? Mm-hmm. And the quality of the role. Like, is it just a great role? And she said, if you can get, like, two of those, you're Mm -hmm. doing pretty good. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of how we would approach clients, you know, if they had this thing. It's like, well, maybe the money's not there, but it furthers our career and we really want to do it. Or the money's there and it furthers our career, but it's it's not great work. But then it's – so that's kind of how we – and I still think about that in terms of – some of my own work is like, you know, the Stocker Channing test. Right. Yeah. Is, the, is it, I mean, fulfilling, right, is, yeah. the, is the piece, right? Like yeah. these are, you know, the community writing that I do, um, again, doesn't pay super well necessarily, but I really love that I get to tell these stories and go meet these people. And a lot of the people that I've met have become friends, right. um, which is really fantastic. And yeah. so now I feel like I, I know these, you know, these artists and these writers and, you know, just interesting people. So, again, that was another way of building another community for myself after yeah. I left teaching. Have you found the local uh, art scene for writers? And are you connecting with other writers here? How do you think Tacoma is in that regard? You know, um, so I still feel like I'm new to being a writer here that um, a lot of my writing has been for outlets not in Tacoma. Right. Right. Um, So it's interesting for me. um, You know, there's creative colloquy, right, which is great for a lot of folks, a lot of writers. Um, Jackie's been on the podcast to talk about that. Yeah. And I feel – but I feel like they – that's not necessarily – my writing community in that the creative colloquy, it feels to me as if they're just getting people out there, you know, to write in the first place, right? Which is fantastic. I think it's just a a really worthy thing. Um, But I feel like there are less pockets of folks uh, or groups, unless everybody's hanging out without me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like there are less pockets of groups of writers who are doing the sort of full-time whatever gig work, right, that I'll try and like you know, pull a writing group together from folks, but no, none of them have stuck very well. Um, I don't know of a, you know, there's the Tacoma's writing, working writers group on Facebook, but it's not super active. Oh, I w- I'm not even sure I was aware of that. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's there, but okay. again, not super active. Yeah. You know, there's the Tacoma Arts Listserv, but yep. that's very visual arts heavy really and is. focused. 
Um, Although I post every podcast to there because oh, it's a great way to get oh, the no. word out about podcasts. So <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's not to knock the, that listserv, it's right? It's a great resource it's, for certain things. Exactly. Um, but I feel like there could be more spaces for folks to create writing groups um, in addition to Creative Colloquy, we'll say, yeah. right? Um, so, But I do have writers who are very near and dear to me here. Um, so Renee Sims is one. Um, she teaches uh, at UPS but lives over in University Place. Um, Rosalind Bell, who's a very long time yep. um, Tacoma writer, um, those two have absolutely supported me, mentored me through this whole process. Um, other folks uh, from a previous life, so Anne Putnam and Beverly Connor and Hans Ostrom, um, they also encouraged me to just, you know, go do the thing. <laughs> That's great. And go write. Um, and then there's... Um, the, the history writers that I've met, the public history folks, um, so Justin Wadland from UW Tacoma, um, who's the librarian, head librarian there, and uh, Michael Sullivan. Yeah. Um, who, have you had a Michael on the podcast before? You know, uh, Marguerite on the um, oh, Move yes. to Tacoma podcast had him on. She thought it would be like two episodes about Tacoma's <laughs> history, and I think it ended up being six. Um, <laughs> So he uh, he's definitely been uh, done yes. his uh, podcasting. Absolutely, and he's, he he has so many wonderful stories to tell he about. Really Tacoma's, does. Tacoma's he really history. does. Yes, and so I fell into partly you know I, I think as the love for stories that aren't often told. Yeah. Right, I ended up into going into public history. Yeah. Um. So that's another route that I ended up taking. So there's the arts writing, community journalism stuff, and then the public history stuff. Um. So Justin recruited me to um. Go write for History Link, which is the Washington State online yeah, encyclopedia. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wrote um, an article about Tacoma's historic Japantown um, and was just absolutely fascinated by that whole history and how little of it we seem to have physically around left. Um, Basically, the the UWT building, that one building, is like one of the very few ones left, right? That one in the, the temple. The temple, okay. Yeah, the Tacoma Buddhist Temple. So Got those it. two buildings built the same year, actually, by the same architect, designed by the same architect um, in the early 30s, right after wow. the Depression, during the Depression, yeah. I should say. Um, yeah, those two buildings are what we have as far as like sort of institutions yeah. uh, left. That's really interesting. Yeah. And if I understand correctly, so there's two things I really want to talk to you about. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a, a project that you've been working on on State Senator Rosa Franklin. Yes. And then the uh, May Day of Remembrance. Great. Let's yes. talk about uh, Rosa Franklin first. So you have mm-hmm. a really big project that you've tackled for that. Is that what I understand? Right. It's finished. And it's, it's finished. out in the world. Yes. It's out in the world. Tell me more about it. <laughs> yes. So um, let's see. It is a biography and oral history. Um, of Senator Rosa Franklin. I always call her Senator Franklin, um, even though we worked together very closely for about a year. Um, and a lot of people out in the community call her Rosa. But I have a, such a very deep respect for her um, that I still call her Senator Franklin. <laughs> tell, tell me more about her. Um, let's see. She was the first black woman to be elected to the Washington State Senate. Um, this is in the early 90s. Um, she took the seat um, of Slim Rasmussen, who was a very long time um, Person in the uh, in the county and city of Tacoma, very notorious in Tacoma history. He was the city's mayor for a while and on the city council and got ousted, yeah, and wow. uh, got gerrymandered out of the district for a while. <laughs> they went around his backyard and drew that line. Oh wow, fantastic! Um, but she loved him too. She just loves everybody. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, but she was elected to a seat when he uh, died unexpectedly. Hmm. Um, the uh, the powers that be basically said, you know, this person um, has uh, has passed away. Would you? She was serving already in the House of Representatives, okay. and they said, "Would you like to uh, run for his seat in the Senate?" Um, she was also the first African American woman to serve, I believe, as um, President Pro Tem of the Washington State Senate. Interesting. And that I believe she was the first Black woman to be to serve as Pro Tem in for her state Senate in the nation. Wow. Yeah. That's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. So the pro tem right is the person who runs the Senate. Right. Right. When like the, the president of the Senate almost or yes, something like that. Basically when the uh, lieutenant governor is not running the Which running is the most show. of the time. Which I is a it. fair amount of the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So she served under, I believe, four governors. Wow. She was there as um, – she was there for 20 years. But really to back up, she was a nurse for 42 years and then served in the Washington State Legislature for right. 20 after that. So she had this long, amazing career, very, very sharp still, very lucid. And so doing her oral history was this incredible journey, really. Um, I didn't know her very well at all. We had met in October 2018. And um, I did this talk for Willow. That's the uh, yep. Tacoma you know, organization. That Intergenerational. Intergenerational Living Legacy organization, yes. <laughs> uh, sharing stories of women and girls in Tacoma. And she was there. She mm -hmm. was on the, she's on the advisors board. And uh, she heard my story um, when I was talking about Tacoma's Japantown. And she came up to me afterwards, you know, very lovely, you know, I really liked your story. Would you send me her resume? And I said, sure, because what else do you do when someone asks you? Exactly. <laughs> someone like that asks you that question. So I said, sure, what, what well, sure, why? And she said, well, you know, there's this oral history program that the state is doing. I said, oh, that's really great. So I sent her my resume. Um, and she said, I really liked your resume. Can I forward it to the state senate? Again, I said, wow, sure, great. And then after I, I sent it to Brad Hendrickson, who's the secretary of the senate, he said, um, Senator Franklin is too modest to say this, but... <laughs> we have selected her to be the next person to be featured in our biography oral history program. Wow. So this is how I found out that she was asking me to be her biographer. And wow. Historian. <laughs> that's, that's a really cool thing. That oh, happened. it was that, so what a way to have that amazing. So I looked at the program. And I was like, okay, this is a book. This is not just an yeah. encyclopedia article. This is a full book. And uh, Brad said, why don't you go and meet with her just one more time to make sure it's a good fit? So we went to the Starbucks on South 72nd and um, talked for like two hours on Election Day <laughs> 2018 okay. and uh, had a fabulous time. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm a little bit in love. I need to go and do this project. And so I had other plans for that last year. But uh, they hired me to do her biography and her oral history in about – Seven months. Wow, which was very fast. <laughs> that sounds very fast. So, so fast. what? What is the end result? What do we? What? Do, uh, you, what is it? A video? Is it a, it's a book? 
uh, well, I mean, but the yeah. oral history, is there a, is there a yeah, audio so or video of that as well? The, um, the oral history, there are transcripts that I edited for legibility, clarity, all of that stuff, and mm-hmm. readability. That's the second half of the book, basically. Mm-hmm. So the first half of the book, approximately, is her biography that I wrote, um, put pictures in from her life and times and career, and then the second half is the transcript of those interviews yeah. that we did. Wow. Um, so it's called, I should tell you this, um, it's called Rosa Franklin, colon, uh, A Life in Healthcare, Public Service, and Social Justice. Awesome. And um, and there's an event coming up uh, uh, next month about uh, for this? Well, if all goes well. If all goes well. Yes. Crossing our fingers over here. Right. Exactly. Elbow bumping and hand yeah. sanitizing as we, as we yes, speak. Yes. Um, yes. So I believe it's scheduled for April 21st. Okay. Um, folks at the UW's T School of Nursing and um, others are uh, planning this event. But again, we'll, 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 we hope that it happens. It will be, I believe, open to the public. Um Mike Henney is teaching a class on, I believe, UW UW Community History or Community History. And um, I believe is teaching the book, which is exciting. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about uh, the Day of Remembrance in May. Great. Thank you. Okay, stick around. Awesome. This is Hope and Annie, co-hosts of Channel 253 podcast, Interchangeable White Ladies. This episode is sponsored by Pacific Lutheran University. Your student can go to college just about anywhere in the world, but have you thought about the school just down the street? When it comes to their undergraduate programs, PLU is a triple threat. First, PLU has a great liberal arts program that will expand young minds and help them thrive no matter where they go after leaving our campus. Second, PLU is part of the Tacoma and South Sound community, passing on the values of civic engagement to the next generation. And finally, PLU has programs that will prepare students for some of the most important and high-demand careers post-graduation. Liberal arts, civic engagement, and professional studies, a triple threat that will help your student thrive. To learn more, visit plu.edu slash admission. Welcome back, and uh, thank you to our sponsors, and thank you to the members of Channel 253 who are helping to keep this network going. You can support what we're doing at channel253.com slash membership, $4 a month or $40 a year. Thank you to everyone who has given their support for this podcast and all the many great podcasts uh, and writing on the show. So back to our guest. Hello again. Hi. Hi. Tell me about the Day of Remembrance that's coming up uh, this May. For those who don't know, what are, what are we remembering? Sure. Um, so, all right. Um, this came about uh, through a couple of things. Um, we're speaking particularly of the Japanese-American Day of Remembrance because there are other Days of Remembrance. Sure. Um, and Days of Remembrance in Tacoma for Japanese-American history are a relatively new thing. We had one to the best of my knowledge, uh, in the late 90s before I was here. Um, Ron Magden, who wrote the first big book on Tacoma Japanese-American history, um, did one in 1998, I believe, um, but hadn't had one since. I'm not quite sure why. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, about three years, goodness, three years ago? Okay, so this we would go on year four. This makes year four, okay. uh, 2020. Um so the Day of Remembrance commemorates um, the two days that the Tacoma Japanese Americans um, were forced to leave um, the city um, in 1942 due to Executive Order 
Executive Order 9066. Um, they were all marched down to Union Station. Um, there were soldiers there. And um, basically, almost all of the neighborhood um, in, down, in, the, in the downtown core were, quote, evacuated. And so... Um, to the fairgrounds? No, actually. So okay. it, it's it's kind of confusing, right? Because we know Camp Harmony as the place where a lot of folks were held temporarily. and But that was the, mostly the Seattle folks. Oh, interesting. Um, they were taken on buses down to Camp Harmony at the fairgrounds. The Tacoma folks actually went to California. Wow. Um, they went to a uh, an assembly center called Pinedale in Fresno, uh, so Central Valley, super wow. hot, Yeah, um, where they... Uh, and eventually from there, they went to Tule Lake in northern, northern California. And they might have crossed paths with my dad and his family um, who were incarcerated at Tule Lake as well. So um, the Day of Remembrance then is a place to sort of a time and a place to sort of mark that history to kind of remind folks that Tacoma has a very rich and deep Japanese-American history. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a small but vibrant community at the Tacoma Buddhist Temple mostly um, there's the uh, Japanese American Citizens League, which has a chapter um, for the Puyallup Valley, uh, but not as uh, super active in Tacoma. Um, but as I was doing this research, I was finding there were a lot of folks who did not know that we had a Japantown at all. I, I had lived here for 10 years before I found out about Tacoma's Japantown in mm-hmm. 2014 mm-hmm. and just was stunned. And I was telling um, someone about it. And she said, you know, I wait, Japantown, I grew up in Tacoma. I was born in the 60s and I had no idea that we had a Japantown. And so it became this, um, I don't know, passion project, right, for me to try and bring that history back for folks um, and try and get in touch with the community that's still here. Um, Eventually, I went into the Buddhist temple, which, as I said, is the only uh, institution, institution we have from that time, which still serves the Japanese American community, mm-hmm. um, and they have this hallway full of amazing photos, um, baseball teams, and um, temple meetings, and events, and conferences, and things, um, and a big list of the folks who raised money for the temple. And the temple, uh, for those who may not know, it's on South. Um, oh man, now I'm blanking. Is Fawcett. it Fossa? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you have also, uh, you, if I recall, I think I read something by you where you went to Tully Lake. Is that correct? Yes, um, I yeah. did back in 2014. I'm going there again this year, again, if yep. all goes well. Yep. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I went there on pilgrimage in 2014. Every mm-hmm. two years, um, there's a group of folks who organizes a pilgrimage for um, descendants, survivors, uh, those are who are still here, sure. and people who are interested in the history of that place. Yeah. Um, and really, there is nothing like standing in that place and feeling what kind of history there is. I was not really prepared for standing there and just, you know, like seeing my family's name in the registry and just looking at, you know, just how hot and desolate it was, um, surrounded by farmlands even, but um, really in the middle of almost nothing. Um, so... Um, you know, I, I felt that history, and I really wanted to to go back. So part of why I'm going back this year is I'm going to learn how to train to be a docent, mm-hmm. um, to be on the pilgrimages. And you've led some some local tours of what used to yes, be Japantown, and you, right. you've done With some Michael. some things with that here in Tacoma. So for for people who don't know that story, mm, that, yeah. that you 
want to share? Yeah, um, let's see. So let's see. This again. This would be three years ago. Um, Tony Gomez from the Broadway Center, which Tacoma Arts Live yep, now. Yep. Um, Tony Gomez had organized some events uh, commemorating the 75th anniversary of Executive Order 9066. Mm-hmm. He asked Michael Sullivan to do a walking tour of historic Japantown. Michael had been working on things off and on about Japantown on his blog, Tacoma History, and uh, he and I had been working together on um, some Japanese-American history projects. Um, one of them was in Tacoma, and so he asked me to lead this tour. Um, we thought there would be like 25 people who showed up, you know, yeah. for this tour. Yeah. 90 people showed up. Wow. <laughs> and then for a couple of years, we worked with Downtown on the Go um, to do other tours of, again, the historic Japantown. Each time, 250 people, um, which is Insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it sh- I think it shows us real hunger, right, for that history in the city. Yeah. And that makes me really happy. That that lost history, you know, and, and the potential that could have been, it's it's really sad to think about. That. And the, yeah. that's the same true of the the Tacoma method with the expulsion of the right? of the Chinese. We had a vibrant Chinatown. Right. Um all, you know, wiped out. Right. I mean, we had a, it, that was like a, a very small, you know, sort of neighborhood, mm. right? Um, but like Tacoma's Japantown covered most of the downtown core, right? Which, you know, like 12 blocks ish. Like where UWT so. is right yeah, now, right? Almost yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right there at the Murano and um, up by, uh, up by the Pantages, even it kind of stretched up there with the markets and the produce places right. and all that. Um, yeah, just, you know, you and, and Uwajimaya, which is something I always talk about because I, I just sit there and think, man. What if? What if? We had Uwajimaya now. Just <laughs> so, how different. Obviously, uh, those Japanese Americans did not come back to Tacoma and re- refill Japantown. Right. Where did they go? Did they go to Seattle? Did they go elsewhere? Um, so a lot of them went to California or stayed in California. Um, a fair number of folks went to Chicago. Um, hmm. I was just looking at a reunion booklet because they had reunions for a while. Um, so Chicago, Minneapolis, um, the Bay Area and San Francisco, some Seattle. Um, but it was a, I think it was about one in seven who wow. came back. Yeah, so about 700, 800 people, right, who uh, evacuated quote, evacuated. Right. And uh, yeah, just a very tiny number of those who came back. Yeah. And again, just uh, what do you what is what might be happening this year, assuming all yes. goes well? Uh, in yes. May? So um, the first couple of years, I've put a lot into a lot into it. So the last couple of years, I have um, stepped back a little bit just because I've had a, a bunch of other projects going on. But this year, I'm super excited. The Washington State History Museum has always hosted our Days of Remembrance, which is just amazing to me that yeah. it's not just, you know, the sort of city, but it's the State History Museum. Um, this year, um, the History Museum is opening up a semi-permanent gallery devoted to Japanese American history and the incarceration. Um, they are uh, putting together a remembrance gallery as we speak. They've held a couple of um, kind of basically collecting sessions where uh, Denshel from Seattle comes down and scans documents and photos. Um and the Historical Society has been basically taking artifacts from folks. And I believe they are still taking artifacts, if anybody's interested. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Um, so the Remembrance Gallery, I haven't seen very much of what they're hoping for, but I think it will be pretty special. And so they're having a ribbon cutting um, that day for the the gallery and honoring the folks.
folks who devoted time, right, to uh, and and, uh, and artifacts and photos and whatever to right. the gallery. They'll take stuff from their collection. Um, and what we've done for every day of remembrance is we'll walk from the History Museum uh, over to Union Station. Um which is a very short walk. I was going to say, that's not that far. Which <laughs> is a very short walk. Um, but again, you know, Michael's taught me a lot about connecting history and place. Yeah. And there is something about, again, standing where people stood, walking yeah. where people walked, and just feeling um, how that resonates for us into the present. Yeah. I want to just uh, ask you one quick question. Yeah. Twice, I think, uh, I've heard you use the word incarcerated, which sounds like oh. a very intentional term instead yes. of internment. Can yes. you just... Talk through uh, that that choice. Yeah, sure. Um, so most uh, historians now um, will use the word incarceration instead of internment mm-hmm. because internment refers to um, the process of detaining folks um, who are, um, quote, foreign nationals, right? Okay. Um, whereas the majority of folks who are Japanese American and incarcerated, right, were American citizens, right? right and were born here. And so... Internment also sounds uh, softer. Yes, right? clearly. Uh, softer, a little bit more euphemistic. Um, incarceration has a different weight. The, and and I, I appreciate you help uh, for the listeners and for myself. Um, is is it more? I mean, obviously, it's more accurate to say like it wrongly incarcerated or something like that. Like like mm-hmm. how, is is yeah. is that a concern by saying incarceration that there was a. Any kind of judgments associated with that? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I usually say incarceration and and then usually if you know anything about the history, it is, yes, wrongful, unconstitutional, right. unjustified, all those, all those things. But yeah, um, so Densho and the Japanese American Citizens League, both very powerful um, organizations who maintain our history, um, have talked about how the power of using incarceration versus internment is something that we should all really think about. And, you know, it gets inc- associated a lot with Japanese Americans' internment, right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, the move over the last mm, 20-ish years, I'd say, uh, maybe even longer because they've been fighting it for a while, yeah. um, has been to use incarceration. Language is such an important thing in how we talk about these things. Yeah. And uh, I think about that with the current rights around um, pronouns yeah. and all of those things, and I'm like— yeah. You know these things really do matter when you how you how you use these words and absolutely. I, I I've had people say, well, you know, what about the fights around job you know job titles? Like it made so many people mad, and I'm like, but we don't call them stewardesses anymore. Like, <laughs> like we won, you right. know, we won that fight. So so yeah, anyway. Right. Well, yeah, it, you know, language shapes how we think. Absolutely. Right? Um, Absolutely. So how can how can you argue with that? <laughs> yeah, of course a writer would would uh, be on board with that idea. Well, yes. Um, question for you: Yeah, who in Tacoma or what organization would you really like to give uh, a shout out to? I often ask this at the end of the podcast: oh, if there's if there's okay. someone who is just doing great artistic work again, mm-hmm. could be an organization, yeah. could be a person. Yeah, you want to give a gold star to. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, so many. Um, I wrote about so many um, <laughs> in a blog post that I wrote for Artist Trust. So uh, folks will also have to go there, hopefully. Okay. It was, I can send you I can, the link. Uh, yeah, the link would be great. We can awesome. put that in the show notes. Um, but, okay, several folks. Um, apps, first foremost, um, I want to give props to my friends at Studio Revolt, um, Anita Yu Ali and Masahiro Sugano. Um, they are folks who moved here um, a few years ago, but they have this fantastic international multimedia um, presence 
um, and they do they do they do films. Um, they teach at UW Bothell. Um, but they live in but Tacoma. They live in Tacoma. Studio Revolt. Studio Revolt. That's a great name. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> and I I have not heard of Studio Revolt. Oh, okay. Well, I'll send you the link. Yes, please. Um, yeah, they do wonderful, amazing, revolutionary work. Um, Anita is Muslim um, and Kamai and um, and Thai, and she and they together they did a. a a video called uh, Mistaken for Muslim After 9-11 Happened and connected uh, Japanese-American incarceration very explicitly with uh, what happened to Japanese-Americans after um, Pearl Harbor right. and so on. Um, but that's just one of the things. They did a great documentary called Cambodian Sun. Um, those are uh, – and I really want more folks to know about them. So yeah. well, first that and foremost. A, and and I, I often get uh, guest ideas for the podcast from, oh, good. from yes. asking about no, that. I would love for you to have them on. They are wonderful and amazing. Yeah. And they – every the work that I've seen of theirs is just truly breathtaking. Yeah. Um, there's, of course, Sil Long, who you've had on the podcast yes, before. I, have. Um, I just love his active activism and art and how he uh, really does such, such great community work. Yep. Yep. Um, and um, I really think folks like, you know, the Fab Five and the Tupac uh, studio folks just – Organizations that are really serving our youth and our underrepresented uh, communities of yep. color in the yep. city. Absolutely. Uh, oh, is one it, more. Can I do one more? Okay, do one please, more. Please, please, please. One more. Okay, uh, to come youth theater because mm. my kids perform with them. They've done work with them for four years now. Um, they're tiny, right? They're right, yeah, right, the right down on on uh, on yeah. Broadway. Small little yes. uh, theater, but a great place for kids to yes. you know try a role in The Hobbit or something. Exactly. They do amazing work. You know, I used to teach, right? And to watch them work with kids. Um, and be really good teachers, not necessarily to try and make them pre-professional actors, right. right? Which is, I think, what some of the programs in this town do. They really try to teach the kids about collaboration and community. So I really want to shout them out, too. That's great. Thank you. Uh, if someone is looking for you on the interwebs, where might oh, they find you? yes. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, I have an Instagram account. Um, I'm on Twitter as Tamiko N. Um, can send you a link to that. I have a website, which I haven't been great about d- updating, but it's there. It's tamikonimura.net. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Oh, and then one more thing. We've yeah. got the April event, which is on oh, yeah. the 21st. 21st um, yep. May 17th for the Day of Remembrance at the History Museum. Okay. Well, uh, assuming all goes well, which yes. I'm sure it will. <laughs> I'm actually not sure, but I'm hopeful that it will. Yes, fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, joining me on the show. Great. Thanks for having me. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. The We Art Tacoma podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.